Welcome to the Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to become self-aware and know how to regulate ourselves when we feel deeply, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. We are today reading Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. And we are celebrating this Sunday of the Ascension. Normally, it is celebrated on a Thursday because 40 days from the Resurrection Sunday falls on a Thursday. I remember growing up and hearing my parents say that there were three Thursdays that shine more than the sun. And it rhymes really in a nice way in Spanish. And they were Holy Thursday, the Ascension, and Corpus Christi. In Europe, where all life revolved around the liturgical year while I was growing up, there was a flow to the year that really matched the scriptures in a very direct way. And rather than learning how to read the scriptures so much, we learned to live this from the scriptures. So all of our life was oriented to the feasts that the scriptures talk about. Here in the States, it's a little different. In fact, the Thursdays are moved to Sunday for Ascension and Corpus Christi, and people work, and so they're not celebrated on the Thursday. But uh, in Spain, they're holidays of obligation. They're feasts, and there's usually festivals, processions, big meals, and so you partake with a whole community in living the promises of the scriptures. In the States, we have to imagine a lot more. And perhaps I like drawing in the imagination because I grew up living the scriptures as they were coming alive all around me. And I also really enjoy St. Ignatius of Loyola's spiritual exercises where he trains the imagination to dive into the scriptural readings by imagining ourselves in the scriptures. Because every year I try to do an Ignatian retreat, which is a silent retreat. You get to practice these things. And it's really wonderful to master your emotions because St. Ignatius of Loyola guides your imagination and taps into your emotions and gives you ideas for how scripture assists you in aligning your will, and uh, the other aspects of your inner being. Here we come in this Sunday of the Ascension to see that Jesus uh, is giving the final instructions. He's saying, wait for the promise of the Father, wait in Jerusalem. And the apostles are still asking, are you going to restore the kingdom? They're still thinking from a human perspective. And Jesus tells them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. The Father has established them by his own authority. This is important in the middle of the pandemic because we want to know when it's going to end. Uncertainty really bugs us. And Jesus tells us, sometimes you're not going to know the times or the seasons. You're going to have to wait. And what do we do in that time of waiting? Well, Jesus is saying, wait for the promise of the Father. So that idea of trusting that God is sitting on the throne and is guiding us in our own destiny 
and inviting us in a conversation that has freedom. I can choose to do or not do what I am inspired to do. Paul could have not gone to Antioch, could have not gone to Macedonia. He could have turned around. He received a vision and he acted on it. So we see the apostles watching Jesus as he's lifted up and a cloud takes him from their sight. We've grown accustomed to this story and we've seen it in paintings. Great masters throughout history have drawn this image in masterly ways, but we can only imagine what this must have been like to be in that place and see Jesus actually ascend to heaven. And then in order to assist them, heaven reaches down to earth and we see two men dressed in white that come and tell them, similar to what we heard of the resurrection, what are you doing here looking for him? The way that you are seeing him leave is the way that you'll see him come back again. So the ascension is a place where heaven and earth touch in a very real way. It's an invitation again for us to elevate our perspective, to lift up our eyes in the middle of travel and persecution, and to know that heavenly assistance is real. Psalm 47 describes God at his throne and blares of trumpets for the Lord, shouts of joys, trumpet blasts, singing praises. That's the invitation that we have today. It makes me miss our church so much because we haven't been able to visit it for two and a half months because of the pandemic. And we would be hearing today trumpet blasts and beautiful music that would surround us. And when you can close your eyes and imagine yourself in heavenly realms, but we haven't been able to enjoy that music. And so we have to find our own ways to bring that music into our homes. Our homes have become chapels. They have become the places of prayers. The domestic church is alive in our homes. And I just can't but miss the beautiful music of our church. We've also missed all the musicals in our children's lives. Our daughters are in choir. And there were all these performances that the pandemic didn't allow to happen. Music played by a band is one of the great joys of living in community. To be able to attend a symphony here in our city is amazing. The absence of music playing in halls is just a big tragedy in these days. The inventive ways people have used to sing together online, where we see people from their rooms coming together one at a time, and then somebody connects all the pieces of music so that they sound is testament to how much we need to sing together. We're seeing it in many uh, countries in Italy and in Spain, for example, people were singing from the rooftops. We've seen it in China. We would see people encouraging one another with pianos and saxophones from the windows. We have an instinct to sing, and this instinct is very important in our search for God. When we are searching for Him, we can find Him through music if we are musically inclined, and we can also hear Him in the music because beauty points to heaven, points points to God.
Today we have a reading from Ephesians, and Paul is giving us some wishes that are really good forms of prayers. May God give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation resulting in knowledge of Him. That is in itself a beautiful prayer. We can pray that by, by saying, God, give us a spirit of wisdom. Give us a spirit of revelation. What does that mean? Give us a way of knowing your plan for salvation. Reveal it to us, revelation, so that we might come to know Jesus. We've seen that the apostles spent three years with him, and at the very end, just as he's ascending, they still have questions about the mission. Are you coming to restore the kingdom of Israel in a human way? In the next verse, Paul invites us, May the eyes of your heart be enlightened. And we know that heart doesn't have eyes. The Bible speaks of the heart as the center of our being from which we act, from which we feel, from which we think through things. Sometimes it's interchangeable with mind, but heart is the place where we feel deeply and it is the place where God can reside. We invite God to reside in our heart, to place his hopes and aspirations for who he made us be in that center of our being. And Paul tells us today, may the eyes of our hearts be enlightened. And what does that mean? May they receive light. May our heart again elevate its wishes, its desires, its, its thoughts and feelings to a divine perspective in which we have a hope. In the middle of this lockdown, this time where schools are ending and summers are beginning, uh, we have to find a realignment of our hope. And what we find in God is that as we walk with him, as he shows us the visions that he has for our lives, and we begin to trust that there's a plan, then we can let go of ours, even in the middle of difficulty. If you've been furloughed or if you've been laid off and your world is upended, trust in God. He has a plan. He's the reason for our hope. And Paul tells us, and we know how many troubles he had, in prison, beaten, they're persecuted by the Roman Empire. So he knows hardships that we don't. In, in these losses that we are having, we're not losing our freedoms in many cases, and we are not losing our ability to speak. Uh, we're not being thrown in prison for what we say. So we have reason for hope. And the reason for our hope is that God raised Jesus from the dead. And this is the whole point of having these conversations. What does that mean for our life? He defeated death. And so the ultimate victory means that he is here to walk with us in these victories that are needed to be able to raise our eyes and see from a divine way. The second reading describes that Jesus is seated in the right hand of God in heaven, above every principality, authority, power, and dominion, far above. That means any problem that we have, any experience of fear, of anxiety, of worry, any problem that seems 
like it looms in, could swallow us or defeat us, like sometimes life can have. If it is brought to the altar of heaven, if it is given up, and this is a mental exercise, a sort of a surrender that we do from within so that we don't keep these things inside of us and we try to solve them ourselves because there are many times where they cannot be solved by ourselves. And those are the times when God shows up big. We get to the end of our rope. We get to the place where we have used up all of our resources or everything that we have or know. And it is at that point that that we see that the Jordan River becomes parted, that the Red Sea becomes parted, that our ability to cross over to the other side of the problem is actually granted to us by God. So we come to the Gospel of Matthew, and finally the 11 disciples travel to Galilee. We hear in Acts that Jesus tells them when he resurrects, don't leave Jerusalem yet. He's going to instruct them there, but then he's going to ascend to heaven and he sends them to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. And they worshipped him there and they doubted. The fact that the apostles doubt, the apostles doubt gives me great hope for myself because especially in times of hardship we human beings can doubt why is this happening to me why me why now why does does someone have to get sick or lose a job and that can make us wonder if God who is all good and all given exists because Why is he allowing bad things to happen? Why is he allowing dear people to die? Why is he allowing people to lose their jobs? And these questions can give us doubts and we can actually falter in our faith. And we can see that the apostles are seeing Jesus in all his glory and they're still doubting, they're still wondering. So, This is the place where we have to intensify our prayer, and that is to ask for these spiritual gifts to say, Lord, I am doubting. I do not understand why this is happening. I do not know why this is happening, but I am entrusting it to you. And do a mental exercise where we lift up these worries. And I've given the image before that I literally put them in jars, mental jars, and I place them at the foot of heaven's altar because these turning over of my problems where I've reached a place where I cannot solve them to the altar of heaven allows me to find a place of peace and compassion and a place of openness because when we're afraid cortisol takes over our system and we begin to close our brain and the more we close our brain the less ability of creatively finding things is is in our grasp. But beyond it, once we've used our creative powers and we cannot solve it, we have to give it to God and ask that he helps us with the solution, to find the solution. And amazing things have happened. And I hope to tell some of those stories in some of the podcasts because 
I ho also hope to learn how he is showing up in your life. Jesus departs and tells the apostles, go and make disciples. And what a trusting thing to say. They had just doubted and Jesus is still entrusting them. Not understanding everything is not a reason for not acting. We can still act and in putting one foot in front of the other and walking the path. God will give us in the measure that we can receive answers to our questions. And sometimes when the questions are not answered, it is an exercise in increasing our faith. That means increasing our surrender, increasing the openness of our heart to receive a divine perspective. Jesus tells them, go to the ends of the earth. And he makes one of the beautiful promises of scripture that I hold on to all the time. I will be with you until the end of time. And this means he stays in the Eucharist. He stays in the Eucharist with us, and he's there with body, blood, soul, and divinity. He's there so that he can nourish us, so that we can visit him, so that he can counsel us. He has remained amongst us in order for us to be fed with his body. And so this promise that he made in his last words before he ascends to heaven is the reason for my hope.